Welcome to the Gathering Church Podcast. We are so glad you're joining us today. For more info about The Gathering, you can check out thegathering.online. Thanks for checking out the podcast. Here's today's message. All right. Well, it's certainly a uh, privilege to be here today, and I get to kick off the, uh, the new series, and hopefully I'll, I'll do it justice. And uh, my wife told me to be careful to just stick with the Bible this morning, and she said, don't be a loose cannon up there, and um, <clears throat> maybe I need to make one of those disclaimers. The things that are about to be discussed now are not necessarily endorsed by the Gathering Church of Pastor Matt Mason, so I'll put that disclaimer out there. And if you are a guest today, please come back next week when, when the real pastor is here preaching. But um, so uh, I guess I love this because I love parables, and uh, I've titled this uh, A Good Example by a Bad Character. And so we're going to look at uh, the parable of the unjust steward. And uh, it's one of the probably the most perplexing parables. I actually had people get angry about this parable. And we had some lively discussions about it. It is the Word of God, and there is a lesson in there for us. And I have kind of this... um, this little paradox going on inside because I have this tremendous excitement about sharing God's word because I know the power in God's word that changes lives and that, uh, you know, Hebrews 4.12 says the word of God is living and active. It's, it's alive. It brings life wherever it goes. And it's just so, it can be life altering. And I really believe this parable today taken to heart really can change the focus of your life. It's, it's that, that important. But the paradox is, I just have this internal stress. This is, will I be able to communicate it in a way that can really minister people and minister life to people? So that's that kind of that internal stress. So let's just take a moment to pray before we get into the message, and then we'll, we'll get right into uh, um, God's Word. Heavenly Father, thank you for the privilege to gather in your name and to be your people. And Lord, thank you for your presence here, and that God, your Word does. It changes lives And we invite you, Holy Spirit, come and just minister. I know there are people here today that need to hear from you. Uh, There are people facing some desperate situations. And uh, thank you for the life-giving word. And may our hearts be opened up to you today. And uh, we honor you and we praise you. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, I kind of want to give you up front, there's three kind of overriding principles um, from this parable, from the message today. And uh, the first one being that everything belongs to God. Everything is created by God. Everything comes from God, whether it's things that we can see, right, in this natural world, or things that we can't see in the unseen realm. You know, there's a whole other realm out there. There's there's heaven, and and there's there's, uh, non-human spiritual beings. There's different hierarchies in that, and it's a very complex system. It's probably bigger than this world that we can see. In the universe we can see, but everything comes from God. And Colossians, uh, our first verse today, the Colossians that describes that in chapter 1, verse 16, says, for, for by him all things were created that are in heaven and are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. So everything belongs to God. Everything that we can see and everything we cannot see came from him. He is the creator of everything. And so everything really is under his jurisdiction. It really belongs to him. And I really belong to him. So everything belongs to God. Number two, 
is that our life, your life, my life, our lives are very, very, very tem- tempered. There's a, we have a limited amount of time here on earth. And James says it this way in James 4.14, whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow, for what is your life? It's even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Now, I feel some peer pressure from Pastor Dennis and um, from Pastor Matt to have some type of an illustration, so I had to come up with something. But this whole idea of us being a vapor, I don't know, hopefully you can see this, but it's sort of like, see that little vapor there? That was your life. Did you know that? <laughs> that was my life. It was here. Uh, let me do this over here. So. I don't know if you know, I don't know if you, did you see, that was Roger Weiss. Did you realize that? That was Roger. I always liked Roger. He was a good guy. But that's what our, boy, it smells good up here, man. Um, hopefully it's the fragrance of the Lord. But uh, so our lives are so short and so temporary. Even if you live to be 120, you know, compared to eternity, it's such a short amount of time. It's such a short amount of time. So number one, everything is created by God. Everything belongs to God. Number two, we are here for a short amount of time. And number three is that all of us, one day, every single person in this room, every single person that's ever lived in history or in the future will give an account of their life to God. Romans 14, 12 says, So then each of us shall give an account of himself to God. And that's repeated several times, even in the New Testament, that we're going to give an account of our life to God. And that's not really a threat. I mean, sometimes it feels kind of intimidating and threatening, but sort of like if you've ever taken a college class or you come in, you get a syllabus the first day, the professor goes over, here's what's expected, and invariably there's going to be a, a final exam or a, a final paper due. It's, they're not threatening you. They're just saying, hey, there's this class and you're going to be expected to learn certain things, and there's going to be a final exam. And so the same thing with God. He's not really threatening us. He's just telling us, hey, heads up, you're going to give an account someday of how you lived your life. And again, everything belongs to God. Our lives are so, so short. Life is passing very quickly, and we can hear the clock ticking. Some of us can hear it a little louder. As I'm getting older, it seems to be getting louder and louder. But uh, I know there's a whole lot less left for me than there is behind me, and that I'm going to give an account of my life to God. And also, I'd like you to think as, a, as kind of a subset to that, that I'd like you to today, if, if you haven't already, is to see your life, your existence, I should say, in three different stages. That obviously, you, you, we all have a life here on the earth, and Psalm 90, verse 10, says it this way, the days of our lives are 70 years, and if by reason of strength they are 80 years, yet their boast is only labor and sorrow, for it is soon cut off and we fly away. Again, that's a general, that's not an absolute. Obviously, all of us know, I know, I had a cousin that died when he was two. I had a a friend from high school that died at 19. I had a very good friend that died at 48. Another very good friend that died at 54. My mother died at 52. So it's not an app, but it's a general rule. And isn't it interesting? Here we are today, 3,000 years after this psalm was written, and the average life expectancy in our country is about 76 years, right? 3,000 years later, it's still the rule between 70 and 80 years. So 
Um, so you and I have an earthly life, some shorter, some longer. <clears throat> but number two, there's also a life to come for believers. We're, we're told that we will, we will uh, rule and reign in what's called a millennial reign of Jesus here on earth. Revelation 20, verse 6 says, Blessed and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection. Over such the second death has no power. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. So we have a life here, the someday when Jesus is coming back and we're going to be gathered to him and he's going to have a thousand year reign on earth and we will reign with him according to how we lived our life here and now. You know, there's many parables that talk about the rewards of people that were faithful with what they had, and they'll be given authority in the next life. So we have a life here, we have a life as believers in the thousand-year reign of Christ, and thirdly, we go off into eternity. I'm going to borrow a, a verse from our, our text today in Luke chapter 16, verse 9. And I say to you, make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon. We'll talk about unrighteous mammon is basically just material wealth, okay, uh, that when you fail, we're all going to die someday, they may receive you into an everlasting home. So we have a life, you and I have a life here on earth, we'll have a, some type of uh, responsibilities in the millennium, and then we'll have a life in eternity. So see your existence in kind of three different stages. All right, so let's get into our parable today. In Luke chapter 16, we're going to look at the unfaithful steward. And as a little bit of a backdrop to that, um, in Luke 15, Jesus has just taught three consecutive parables on the importance of reaching the lost. He's talked about the lost sheep, he's talked about the lost coin, and he's talked about the lost son, the, the prodigal son. So he has just emphasized the importance of reaching lost people. All right, so he rolls right into Luke chapter 16. Let's look at verse 1. Luke chapter 16, verse 1. There we go. So again, Jesus is teaching right after he's just gone through the importance of reaching people, reaching lost people. So he also said to his disciples, there was a certain rich man, and the rich man in the parable, I believe, refers to God. God owns it all. God has it all. We just talked about that. There was a certain rich man who had a steward, you and I, we are stewards. I'm a steward of my life while I'm here on earth. I'm a steward of whatever abilities God has given me, right? Whatever talents, whatever calling, whatever platform, I'm a steward of that. So the certain rich man had a steward, and an accusation was brought to him that this man was wasting his goods. So he wasn't being a good steward, right? Didn't say he was ripping him off. He just was not being a very good steward of what, the, what rightfully owned, uh, was owned by the master, Verse 2, so he called him and said to him and said, what is this I hear about you? Give an account of your stewardship for you can no longer be steward. Notice he has to give an accounting. This guy has technically been fired, right? He's been fired, but he still has to give an account. Isn't that interesting? And he also has a little bit of time left. He's going to be, be, be released. He, know that, he knows that's coming. But he's still, it's not, and I've been in plenty of business places where I, I go to businesses and people have been let go and they're usually escorted to the door right away and it's, it's over, we're done. But this guy still has to give an account of his life, even though he's been found not, you know, not taking care of his, his owner's goods. <clears throat> By the way, so that's very common. You know, the other examples in the 
<clears throat> excuse me, the Old Testament where, you know, Joseph uh, was a steward of Potiphar, right? And then later he became the steward basically of Pharaoh. So it's, it's a very common thing. Even today, very, people that are very wealthy can't oversee everything. So they usually have people that oversee their investments or whatever. Um, so you have to give an account. Number three, uh, verse three of Luke 16. Then the steward said within himself, what shall I do? For my master is taking the stewardship away from me. I cannot dig and I'm ashamed to beg. He's kind of demonstrating what uh, different acronyms are used, but uh, what I've heard a lot of times is when you're facing a difficulty, a crisis, if you're lost or whatever, to use the, uh, the stop principle, S-T-O-P where in the midst of the difficulty, sometimes we tend to run around and just try, it's just like, no, stop, sit down, right? Think through, what, what are we facing here? What is the obstacle? What's the problem? Make observation, what do you have available at your disposal to help solve this problem? And then make a plan, make a plan. That's what he's doing. He's, he's not just panicking, he's, you know, he's lost his job. He's, he's saying, okay, what am I gonna do now? What am I gonna do now? I just recently, there was an interview with, uh, Dave Ramsey, kind of the, you know, the financial guru guy, he's a, he's a believer from, from what I understand. He's a strong believer. And he was interviewing Jordan Peterson. I don't know if you know that name, but it's kind of, he's a world-renowned psychologist now. Uh, he was from Canada. He started a whole firestorm up there because he said, no, there are men and there are women, and I'm not going to use all these pronouns. So there, there was a big uproar. He got fired from his university. And you think, oh, that's horrible. It was bad, and it was. But now... He's become world known because he took a stance and his book sales have gone through the roof. And he's, but he's not a Christian. He doesn't portray to be. He might believe in God. I think he believes in God, but he's not a believer. But what was interesting in the interview, I'm not really sure why Dave Ramsey was interviewing him totally, but he said the number one thing as a psychologist he, see, he sees in people is the lack of planning. The people don't plan ahead. And of course, Dave Ramsey's probably talking about planning for retirement and being a good steward of your finances and all that kind of stuff. He said the number one thing is people don't plan. And I think as believers, a lot of times we don't realize that this life is preparation for eternity. The things you and I are doing today is going to affect me for all of eternity. Do I realize how important this life is and that I use my time here for God and not get caught up in my own little world. So he's, 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 he's thinking through, he's, you know, what, what I'm, what, he's talking with them, what am I going to do now? Verse 4, I've resolved what to do. He's got a plan. He's got a plan. I've resolved what to do, that when I'm put out of my stewardship, he knows his time is coming, he's going to be put out. We know our time is coming, that my life's going to be over someday. I need to realize that. I don't want to be paranoid about it. Uh, actually, it's kind of exciting to know that from here I go to be with the Lord, but to realize I've got a limited amount of time in this life. That they may receive me into their houses. He knows he's got a plan for when he's put out of his job. He's going he's gonna to have a place to go. We have a place to go someday, right? We want to prepare for that house. Verse 5. So he called everyone of his master's debtors to him. Notice he called everyone. He all of a sudden became very thorough, right? He all of a sudden, you realize, you know, that we, be, we can become very resourceful when, we got, when the pressure's on, right? He called every one of his master's debtors to him and said to the first, how much do you owe my master? 
Verse 6, Luke 16, 6. And he said, a hundred measures of oil. So he said to him, take your bill, sit down quickly, and write 50. Notice he had the man himself change the bill. You know, I don't know if he was not, he was covering himself, he didn't want, it wasn't his handwriting, it was the person. But this guy got a 50% discount. There's a pretty good chance that that guy is going to remember the favor this guy did for him, cut 50% off of his debt. Verse 7, then he said to another, how much do you owe? So he said, a hundred measures of wheat. So he said to him, take your bill, again, write it yourself, write down 80. So this guy received a 20% discount. Can you imagine if your, your local bank or the bank you have your mortgage with called you and said, hey, yeah, we just know you've been a really good customer. You've, you've made all your payments on time, and, and we just really appreciate people like you, and you, know, you still owe us $200,000 on your home, but we're going to give you 20% off. It's, you only owe us one sixty. I'd be thinking, yeah, I, I like this bank. <laughs> I'll, I'll probably do more business with them, right? I feel a certain amount of loyalty. They recognize what a good customer I have been. They just gave me $40,000 off my debt. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to remember that. I'm going to remember that. Verse 8, now here's the big, here's kind of the critical point. Here's where people get upset a little bit. So the master commended the unjust steward because he had dealt shrewdly. He didn't commend him for further abusing his money or taking advantage of his, res of his resources. It's sort of like, you know, he was going... That's pretty good. That's, that's pretty good. I mean, you ripped me off some more. I'm not happy about that, but that's pretty good. It's sort of like, you know, some, as a parent, sometimes you, you give your kids boundaries. You know, you guys can't go here, can't do this or whatever. And then sometimes they would figure a way, staying within the rules, but they would work around those and, you know, be able to do what they want to do. And I, as a parent, go, you know what? That's smart. Okay, I'm going to change the rules now, but that was smart. I, I, I appreciate that, right? So this guy appreciates the, the shrewdness that this guy showed. He didn't panic. He didn't lose it. He didn't start crying. He made a plan. Now listen to Jesus' commentary on what this guy did. For the sons of this world are more shrewd in their generation than the sons of light. That sons of light term is used several times in the New Testament and refers to us as believers. If we know Jesus as Lord and Savior, I'm a son of light. Okay, my eyes have been opened, and I'm, I'm part of God's kingdom. So Jesus is saying, the people of this world, they understand how the world system works. And they're working it, right? There are many men and women that are making all kinds of money because they understand how our world system works, and they're working that system to make money. Now, they're being successful. Now, the problem is it's only for this life, Right? It's only, for a it's only for a temporary. But he's saying, my people should be more shrewd. My people should recognize how my kingdom operates to do things that last forever. So the sons of this world are more shrewd than the generation of light. Verse 9. So here's his instruction. So I say to you, make friends, just like that steward was called all his debtors. Not all of them are going to appreciate, but some of them are going to remember, and some of them are going to take care of him later on. 
So make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon. Use materialism. Use your financial resources. Use what you have to reach people, to make friends for yourself. Listen, that, continue on, that when you fail, I'm going to die someday. You're going to die someday. And of course, when we die, no matter how much we have, we leave it all behind. Somebody else is going to decide what they want to do with it. But once we die, we don't take it with us, right? So that when you fail, they may receive you into an everlasting home. Wow. God has a system where I can use wealth, where I can use money, where I can use you know, lands and houses, whatever, I can use it to bless people, and it translates into an eternal spiritual reward. How, about, how great is that? I can take natural things. That's why Jesus said in uh, Matthew 6, he says, don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust and thieves break in. Lay up your treasures in heaven where no, no one can steal, no one can take those away. When I give, when I give to, to missions and to missionaries and to uh, a ministry like we just heard about, I'm touching people, and that will last forever. Just like we have a new space over here, right? And we're raising funds to develop that space. Well, when we give money for that, we're not, I'm not seeing you know, new carpeting, new walls, and new... I mean, those are things that are going to happen, but I see people will be touched, right? The prayer people will be blessed. Uh, guests that come in will be blessed. All the, the people that serve here will have a place to put their stuff. They'll be, it's to reach people. It's to minister to people, right? We, we give to God through the church to reach the world. So I believe that as we give to missionaries and these different, there's going to be times where we're, we're going to be in heaven. There's going to be people come up to us and say, I'm here because of you. Right. You say, what? I don't, I don't even know you. He said, no, no, you gave and that guy went on a missions trip, and that some guy listened to the message and got saved, and he went to Bible school and became a, a, a pastor, and he came to my village, and he preached, and I got saved. And because you gave, I'm here. Welcome. I'm going to go, really? I like how this works, right? I get to affect people that last forever. So verse 10, he who is faithful... And what is least is faithful also in much. Sometimes we think, oh, when I have a, you know, I have a lot of money or I have a lot of a big position, you know, then I'll use it for God. No, no. We, if, I don't, if I'm not faithful with the little, I, won't, I can't tell you many times over my lifetime, I've heard people say, well, if I win the lottery. No, you won't. No, you won't. You'll say, well, there's taxes and I didn't realize there's all the other expenses. If I don't give when I have a little, I won't give when I have a lot. It just, it just doesn't. My mind thinks I will. But it doesn't happen that way. So he who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is also unjust in much. The principle of stewardship is not so much how much we have. It's what do I do with what I have. Here we are, 2,000 years later, and we still talk about this woman, this widow, that gave two mites in the treasury. And Jesus said, you see that? She gave more than all the rich people because she gave out of obedience and she gave what she had. Verse 11, Luke 16, 11, Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, 
worldly wealth, materialism. Who will commit to you, to your trust, the true riches? Jesus said, These aren't, we're enamored by silver and gold and rubies and money. All of us, we're human. We, we're Americans. We're all affected by materialism. We're a very materialistic country and culture, and it affects all of us. I don't pretend that I'm not affected by it, but I recognize it, right? I recognize it, and I recognize that these aren't the true riches. It's what I give to God's kingdom will be the true riches. And look what Jesus seems to affirm in verse 12. Luke 16, verse 12. And if you've not been faithful in what is another man's, remember God made it all, it all belongs to God, you and I here a very short amount of time, and one day we're all going to give an account of what I did with my life and my resources, right? So if you've not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to yourself true riches? In verse 12, if you've not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? Is he saying that in this life it all belongs to him and I'm a steward, but in the next life if I'm faithful here, what I have will be mine? I don't know. But I know what? In the next life, things are going to be even greater. Things are going to be more glorious. It's not something where we're floating on clouds, playing a harp, and eating grapes, right? You know, the, little, the kind of the jokes we see people make. The next life is going to be much, a billion times more glorious. Whatever you enjoy in this life, whatever you're good at in this life, you'll enjoy that a million times greater. In verse 13, No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he'll be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and man. And I think we all have to ask ourselves in my heart, am I serving God, right, or am I serving mammon am i living my dream or am i living god's dream for myself so being a good steward is when i recognize that everything i have truly belongs to god and that doesn't mean that i'm i can't enjoy what i have and i can't enjoy things god doesn't just but he wants me to recognize who's it belong to Who, who's the real owner everything i have belongs to god number two life is passing very quickly number three one day you and I will stand before God and give an account of our lives. And I have this tremendous excitement about seeing my Lord and my Savior, the person who loves me more than anyone else and created me. And I have this tremendous excitement about that day. But then I got this other paradox going. Did I really do? Will he, will he be able to say, this is my son and who I'm well pleased? He'll be able to say, well done, thou good and faithful. Is he going to be able to say that? Boy, I've got that tension. Lord, am I really... Am I doing your will or am I still trying to do my own will, live my life? So the practical applications is that I need to use what I have to in some way serve people. I need to plan ahead for the next life and not be so caught up in this life. And I need to be faithful wherever I'm at, not always want to be some other position or have more notoriety or whatever. I just saw another very famous leader fall and it's just very, very disheartening. Um, but am I being faithful where I'm at? One last verse here before I close. Psalm 112, verse 9. Psalm 112 is a, is a wisdom psalm. It talks about the blessings of wisdom in our lives. And verse 9 says, They share freely, talking about people that are, who are wise in this life. 
They share freely and give generously to those in need. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. They will have influence and honor. Wow. Is that some kind of incredible promise that God gives to us? If I'm faithful, if I'm generous now here in this life? As we close, I I just want you to ask yourself, are are you really a steward of God? Are you really serving God, right? Is is really Jesus your Lord? I I always remember that one line from one of the, the chosen episodes where Mary Magdalene is describing to someone what happened when she encountered Jesus, the living God. And she said very plainly, I was one way and now I'm another. She realized she was radically changed. You know, and I feel like there are some people here today. I remember as an 11 or 12 year old boy going to church, my family didn't go to church, but I went to a church, heard a gospel message. I remember, I remember praying a prayer and I remember God becoming very real, but there was no life change. I still did what my friends did. I felt a little guilty about it. But I remember when I was 21 and I realized I'm not, I'm not living for God. What happens if I don't wake up tomorrow and I made a commitment to the Lord, made Jesus the Lord of my life, and I don't discount that spiritual experience I had when I was 11 or 12, it's very real, but there wasn't a life change. And I, I think there's some people here today that you maybe grew up in the church, you believed in God, you maybe even prayed a prayer, but you really couldn't say that there was a life change. I think maybe God today is saying, you need to make that commitment to me. I need to be Lord. Jesus needs to be Lord of all your life, not just Sunday morning, right? Not just when you're with your Christian friends or family, but all the time. And for some of us, yeah, you love the Lord, but are you really being a good manager, right? Are you really being a good manager of what God has given you? And all of us love it when we go to work and, uh, and we, hey, you got a good review, you're getting a raise. Wow. Praise God, that's great. When's the last time you gave God a raise? I still remember as a believer, once I started tithing, I was patting myself, man, you're such a good Christian, you tithe now. And then there was a special offering of some type of ministry and I just felt this tug and I was like, I tithe. Okay, that's nice. How about giving to missions? How about giving to the poor? How about giving to Jewish evangelism. Those all three are spelled out in the New Testament. Those are all really directives by God's word. So are you being a good manager? And then lastly, are, are you really planning for eternity? Or are you just, you know, I go, to, I go to different factories and workplaces and people tell me, they go, hey man, I'm just trying to make it through today. <laughs> Don't talk about, I'm just trying to make it through today. And I, I understand that. I appreciate that. We don't want to live like that. I want to be living for tomorrow. I want to be living for eternity. Right? We only get one shot. This is our life. I, read, I love reading history books about great moves of God. And praise God for that. Great men and women have great things. But this is my life. This is your life. This is our time. Right? We're not going back to Azusa Street. We're not going back to, you know, John Wesley and all those wonderful things. That, praise God. But this is our time. We need to be faithful with our time. Would you, would you bow your heads and would you close your eyes and would you 
listen to what God is speaking to you and just want to give opportunity. Maybe you're sitting here today and been listening, you realize that, uh, yeah, I, you know, I, I prayed a prayer, but really Jesus isn't Lord of my life. And today I want to make that commitment. I want to know Jesus really as my Savior and as my Lord and live my life for Him. And I'm making a commitment today to follow Him with all my heart. Would you, would you just raise a hand wherever you're at if you're, you're making that, you just felt impressed by God that you need to make that commitment today that there's been something missing. Yes, thank you. Some, yes, thank you. Miss something missing. And I want, I want this. Amen, thank you. How about some of us today? You realize that, you know, to be real honest, I've not been really a good manager. I've been too much, I've been, you know, faithful and I, I pray my time, but I haven't really realized it all belongs to God and I haven't really grown as a, as a manager. And I want, to be, I want to be a better manager. I want to be a better steward of what God has given me and I want God's grace to help me do it. Would you raise your hand and say, yeah, I want, thank you, uh-huh, uh-huh. And lastly, is that some of us maybe been too short-sighted and we're not thinking enough about eternity and that things that I say and do and I just read a book where it talks about how every conversation I have is, is recorded. Everything, God sees everything. And I want to live in light of eternity. Would you just raise your hand and say, I just want a better perspective. I want to realize, yes, I want to live in light of eternity. Heavenly Father, you see the hands, you see the hearts, Lord. God, thank you for being so gracious. Thank you for moving in our lives right now, especially for those, at least two that raised hand, and making that commitment today. God, you, you see that, you honor that. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for drawing us to yourself today. God, we just say more. We want more of you, more of your grace, more of your presence, more of your holiness, more, God, of your love, to love you and to love other people with. Thank you for touching our hearts today. We honor you, we give you thanks, we ask all these things in Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with me? I wanna, I wanna leave you with a blessing. Also, I wanna remind you what Patrick Matt said, if you're, if you're new here, if you're a guest here today, uh, especially those that raise their hand for making a commitment to the Lord, would you please see Pastor Matt over here in this room right after the service? He wants to greet you and give you some information and uh, be a help. And, um, Heavenly Father, I just, I release your blessings over your people. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Thank you, Lord, that we can go in your peace and in your strength. And Jesus, you get all the honor and all the glory and all the praise in Jesus' wonderful name. Thank you for listening to today's message. The Gathering is a place where you can belong to a church that loves you, believe in the God who is bigger than you, and become who God created you to be. For updates, service times, or ways to get involved, check out thegathering.online. And if you enjoyed listening today, consider rating it or sharing it with a friend. We love you. The best is yet to come.